Thanks for joining us and supporting Vicky Doe Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vickydofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vickydofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about community health and why it is important. Community health is the collective well-being of community members. Our health as a community matters. And having community health programs help improve access to preventative health care services and these programs address disparities by ensuring equitable access to these resources. Joining us is Lee Green, the Director of Community Health at Bon Secours Mercy Health here in Youngstown, Ohio. She will discuss how social determinants of health can have a major impact on our daily lives. She will give us tips on how we can find out about some of the community health programs in our area here in Youngstown. She will also give you tips on how you can find these resources in your area as well. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks-Bright. So, how are you, D? Hey. Vicky, though, how are you? I'm doing okay. Doing yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. And we are here. I can't believe how that August is almost over. Next week, school oh starts my for me. Goodness. I can't believe it either. Schools have already started. My little granddaughter started school yesterday. I mean, school, oh. summer is over. Summer, is, summer over. is over. Yes, it is. We might as well just go on and say summer is over. It is over. We are here today and hey, it's a great day. Even though it's raining, it it's been raining forever. It's raining cats and dogs. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Somebody throw me Noah's Ark. Well, all this rain that we've been having, we need to get Noah's Ark in here. I know. Yeah. And, and trees and up. trees and trees. storms. Yeah, and I had trees knocked over and storms. I know, and I know. And the other. I don't know what's going on. You know, that global warming may be more than a notion. Well, we know it's more than a notion, but, you know, we're having a lot of storms here lately in our, in, in our neighborhood. Yes, you know? yes. And it's, and it's not no little lightweight nothing. No. No, no. Knocking over major trees and stuff like that. Yeah, it's serious. I know. So it's serious. Very serious. Yes, yeah. it is. 
Well, today we talk about community health and community health programs and why are they important? And so the question is asked, what is community health? Well, community health is the collective well-being of community members. In addition to living in the same neighborhood or region, these populations often share health characteristics, ethnicities, and socioeconomic conditions. For example, some low-income communities might experience high obesity rates due to limited availability of nutritious foods in local grocery stores. And so these places are what we call food deserts. Now you can see a population, another population might be exposed to contaminants from a nearby plant or waste facility. And so community health programs are there to improve access to preventative health care services, to engage citizens in care decisions, and to seek out lower medical costs for these individuals. Community health programs address disparities by ensuring equitable access to health resources. Such disparities include living in an isolated rural area with limited health care providers or being unable to afford health insurance. And so community health centers often serve as the primary care provider in communities where health equity is limited by social economic factors. And so that is why today we have joining us Lee Green, the Director of Community Health at Bon Secours Mercy Health here in Youngstown, Ohio. Prior to her current position at Mercy Health, Lee served many years as the Director for the Local Office of Minority Health here in Youngstown, Ohio. Today, Lee will discuss how social determinants of health can have an impact on our daily lives. She will also share with us some of the community health programs that are available to improve health resources for folks here in our area. And so we can't wait to talk with her today. Right, Dee? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And so, folks, I want to remind you to make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. It's all about health and fitness, Vicky Doe Fitness, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. When you subscribe, you will be notified first when we post a new show. You will be able to listen, learn, and experience our shows where we bring in other guests, and we talk about the things that are important for our health and our well-being and our community. As you know, we do not just talk about our physical health, but we talk about things that we can do to preserve our mental health as well. We believe in total well-being, having a holistic approach to healthy living. So make sure you do not miss any of our shows and subscribe today. And last but not least, go on Apple Podcasts, rate this show, because that is how we grow and increase our listeners. And we appreciate you. And as always, what do we say, Dee? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Well, Dee, like we were saying, you know, 
school is starting. Now, for me, it's starting next week. Summer is over. And so, yep, yep, we'll be talking about fall stuff in a minute. I know. Now, you all, is Kent State doing mask mandates? Oh, well, yeah, we got to wear, it's just like before. We just, every time you get inside, you have to have your mask on, whether you are vaccinated or not. Okay. 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 Yeah, our president put that out there a while back. He wasn't playing. Yeah. No. Well, good for him. I know. Good for him. Bravo. Bravo to him. Yeah. Yeah. But whether they said it or not, I was going to be winning. <laughs> well, like I have said to people on Facebook, you know, you don't need to necessarily wait for the CDC or governor or anybody else. You've got to be proactive and protect yourself. That's it. You know. So read the room, read the room, read the room. So that's why I've been practicing dancing now at home with my mask on. So I won't pass out the first day. I won't. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Because it's going to be, it's going to be hot, you know. It's going to be hot in there. It's going to be hot in there. It's going to be hot up in there. Not a good look if I done passed out and I'm the teacher. Not a good look. No, no, not at all. (laughs) But yeah, at least though, you know, yeah, summer is 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 winding down, but it's still Mm -hmm. great to um, be able to, you know, sit out on my patio and yeah, do all those things before it truly does get cold, and then I'm stuck inside. And and I hear your honey sweet is home this week. Yes, and we are just enjoying. We did a quick trip to Columbus to celebrate. All of our August birthdays, you know, and okay, hang out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so we hey, enjoyed great, with the great, family. Great. Yes, we did. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. So, good. how was your week? How was your week? So, I went to D.C. over the weekend, and let me tell you, mm-hmm. Mayor Muriel Bowers is not playing either. Okay. Because. From the time we set foot in the hotel, I mean, from the time we set foot in the hotel, not even getting up to the desk, masks are mandated everywhere in Washington, D.C. Okay. Went to the African, this was my second time, going to the African American Museum. Oh, yeah. And was really happy. This time I did more than the first floor. I kind of actually saw the entire museum. Okay. Only to find out that I have a relative in there whose picture's in there. His name is Dr. Hubert Eaton, and his picture's in there with Althea Gibson. Okay. You will remember she was the first African-American to win Wimbledon, and he was her tennis mentor. Okay. So there's a picture of him. He's my father's first cousin. Oh, wow. There's a picture of him and Althea in the African-American Museum. So I took pictures, and I was very proud to have some of my peeps up in there. That's it. That's it. So, uh-huh. yeah, so that was good. And then went to the National Gallery because I hadn't been there. All these things had been closed down during the pandemic. But mm-hmm. Muriel Bowser was not playing. And even if you're on in some of the places, even if you're on the perimeter, they had guards and stuff around telling you, put your mask on, mask up, mask up. And they were not nice. It oh, wasn't wow. like, would you please? It wasn't like, would you please? Could you kind of sort of, would you? No, mask up. Wow. Wow. So, so good for her. Good for her. And it just happened. I mean, they were kind of like us, you know, sort of like begging and pleading, incentivizing. And then she put her foot down and said, no, we will have masks back on in this entire city. So this is leadership. 
That's you know, leadership. She's a sister. She, she's another sister. Yeah, sometimes so, it takes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes that, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, sometimes it takes us, and then us women to put our foot down, you know what I mean? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. She wasn't playing. She was not playing. So, yeah, kudos to her. Kudos to her. Kudos to yeah. her, yes. Well, that's yeah. good, D. I'm glad you had a good time and you're back safe. Yes, yes, back safe and sound and, yeah, ready to, uh, you know, not re- certainly not ready to work, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Got to do what you got to do. It is do what, what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is, right? <laughs> Didn't somebody say that before? Didn't we have somebody in our, our past administration who said, it is what it is, but he's talking about COVID. It's not funny, but it was just his casual comment. And here we are now with the Delta variant. More than it is what it is. That's it. We're still up in these masks. We're still up in the masks. Still up in the masks. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. So what is going on this week, D? Everything. Everything, Vicki. Everything. Well, you know, because we are going back to school and a lot of students have started, let's talk about children. Let's talk about things that are important for our kids. And so this is Children's Eye Health and Safety Month with the National Eye Institute. And so they're giving, if you go on their website, they are giving tips on healthy vision, uh, most especially for our little ones and for ourselves as well. And so the healthy vision step Vision starts with you. Use these 10 tips to take care of your eyes. Number one, eat right to protect your sight. Keep your eyes healthy by eating a well-balanced diet. Load up on different types of fruits and vegetables, especially leafy greens like spinach, kale, and collard greens. Fish like salmon, tuna, and halibut uh, have been shown to help your eyes too. And D, what's the second one? The second tip. Get moving. Yes. Did you know that kids who exercise often have a healthier body weight than kids who don't? Being overweight or obese can put you at higher risk for diabetes and other conditions that can lead to vision problems. Vision tip number three. Speak up if your vision changes. Is your vision blurry? Do you squint a lot? Ever have trouble seeing things at school? Tell a parent or teacher if your eyes are bothering you or if you notice any changes in your vision. Wear your glasses, number four. Your glasses help you see better, especially when they're clean and free of smudges. Talk to an adult about how to clean your glasses and how to store them when you're not wearing them. Vision tip number five, keep the germs away. Always wash your hands before putting them close to your eyes, especially if you're putting in or taking out contacts. Gear up. Are you playing your favorite sport? Using chemicals during science class? Mowing the lawn? Wear the right protection to keep your eyes safe. Many eye injuries can be prevented with better safety habits, such as using protective eyewear. Wear your shades is the next tip. The sun's rays can hurt your eyes. 
Choose sunglasses that block 99% or 100% of both UVA and UVB radiation from the sun. And remember, you should never look directly at the sun. Tip number eight, give your eyes a break. Do you spend a lot of time looking at a computer or a phone or a TV screen? Staring at any one thing for too long can tire your eyes. Give your eyes a rest with the 20-20-20 rule. Every 20 minutes, look about 20 feet away for 20 seconds. Tip number nine, say no to smoking. Did you know that smoking is as bad for your eyes as it is for the rest of your body? Smoking can put you at risk for some pretty serious eye issues, which can lead to blindness. And lastly, talk about it. Does anyone in your family have issues with their eyes? Not sure? Ask. Talking about eye health with your family can help all of you stay healthy. And so those are our healthy vision tips because this is Children's Eye Health and Safety Month. And you can find all of this on if you go to the website National Eye institute.org those of our health tips for our kids what do you think d <laughs> fantastic they're great and for those of us like me who've been wearing glasses since they were in seventh grade mm-hmm. those are great tips i don't wear them anymore thank goodness the cataract surgery but yeah it's very very important information yes it is and since we are talking about kids I decided, we're talking about kids today, I decided, you know what, let's see what we can eat. If we do our health tip, what are the kids are eating? What should they be eating now? Most especially since they got to go to school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Exactly. And so you can go to eatright.org. It says kids eat right food styling tips to get kids to eat healthy foods. And this really goes to the parents because a lot of times, you know, if you, and and, and when you go read this article, you can see how they have the toast and they have uh, maybe some peanut butter on it, but they have little tomatoes cut on it for their eyes and little cheese whiskers cut. Right. And they're making the food look fun so that the kids will be, you can better convince them to try right. yeah, these, these right. healthy foods. The article, you know, I'm just going to touch a little bit on it, but the article really talks about kids, and, and it says, when children are very young, they typically eat what you give them and stop when they are full. As they get older, this easy approach to meals doesn't always last. So how do you get kids to choose healthy foods without constant nagging. Rethink everything about meals, including how they look. After all, the way food is presented can have a profound effect on acceptance. And so it has a few pointers that it talks about. I like this one. It starts out with location, location, location. And it says, in real estate, location is just about everything when it comes to selling property. The same principle can apply to helping kids change their food choices for the better. The USDA has a program, Smarter Lunchroom Ideas, and they are the ideas this program are for helping 
transform lunchrooms by changing how healthy foods are offered to school children. For example, renaming the menu items, you know. I remember Isaac and I had to do a demo, uh, a cooking demo for kids, and we, we thought about fun snacks and we made them healthy, but we gave them funny names, you know, that the kids, yeah, yeah the kids loved, yeah. you know, yeah, so, yeah. so renaming, yeah. you know, renaming the menu items, providing more fruits and vegetable options, and making choices easily available. If it works in a cafeteria, that's good reason to believe the same techniques will work at home, too. So these are some things that parents should think about. They have a lot of things on here, but I'm just going to do two of them. And, Dee, if you want to do one, another one as well, feel free. I'm going to do the second one. It It says stock up. You know, and it says shopping for nutritious ingredients for great tasting meals and snacks is a must for presenting healthy, healthful foods to children. Fill your refrigerator, your freezer and your cupboards with fresh or canned fruit in its own juice, fresh vegetables prepared for snacking, whole grain breads, cereals and crackers, nuts and nut butters hard-boiled eggs, low-fat milk or fortified soy milk, yogurt, and cheese. Once you have all of this great food, make sure your family knows that it's there for the taking and make nutritious foods easy to access. And this is, I'm a firm believer of this, you know, because I always have the little celery sticks that you can buy that they're chopped up and then have a little thing of hummus in the refrigerator so you can just fill Mm -hmm. that little celery Mm -hmm. stick with some hummus sprinkle some mrs dash on it boom you good to go that's a good snack so but you have to stock up on that you have to stock up on that stuff yes I like, how about think small? Okay. Young children may prefer small foods and lose interest when served larger portions of healthy items. Serve bite-sized size cubes of cheese, baked chicken and tofu, small melon balls or sliced vegetables as part of snacks or meals. Bake whole grain mini muffins and prepare smaller pizzas by using a whole grain English muffin for a crust. For children younger than five, soft, serve soft, cooked meats and vegetables, and foods cut into one-half-inch pieces or smaller to prevent them from choking. Nut butters can be spread in a thin layer on bread with jelly, but avoid whole nuts and popcorn when feeding toddlers. And this also will help them learn portion Mm -hmm. size, too. Yes, yes. (laughs) So, yeah, it'll help them do that portion size. Big time. You know, because yeah. I was I was looking at some of these pointers and I was like, shoot, we can use this for adults as well, right? No question at all. <laughs> right. right size portions, exactly. Definitely, right. definitely. Right, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, these are some tips, folks. Go to Eat Right. I always, when I go out and I talk in the community, I always encourage folks to go to eatright.org. This um, website was um, created and founded by registered dietitians, nutritionists, and it's uh, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. And so they have great information, uh, research 
based, evidence-based science, food as science, right? Nutrition as science, you know, because nutrition is a science. I will um, admonish you guys to definitely, definitely go and check it out under Kids Eat Right Food Styling Tips to get kids to eat healthful foods. All right. Well, D, what's the latest? There's so much out there now. Yeah, there's so much latest. So the big thing hot off the press this morning was that the Dr. Rochelle Walensky from the CDC and the Biden White House and Dr. Fauci from NIH came out with the new information about boosters, and it appears that uh, all Americans will be offered a booster starting September the 20th with preferential distribution to those that are immunocompromised, the elderly, people in nursing homes, and I'm sure it's going to sift down to in inmates and so forth. The data was overwhelming. I stayed this morning and watched the entire presentation. And what they found out that at, at looking at three major studies that were reported today in the Morbidity Mortality World Report, that after eight months, and the data was, I mean, it was kind of shocking okay. that antibody levels went in some respects, and they only looked at messenger RNA. So this is only going to be for messenger RNA because J&J came out later and said they don't have as much data as they do for messenger RNA. But the messenger RNA antibodies from, let's say, 28 days after you got your vaccination to six months later dropped considerably, somewhere between 96% down to 52%. And, you know, just anecdotally, mm -hmm. I've been seeing so many breakthroughs. Now, what the data showed was that increasing amount of infection, mm -hmm. but not increasing amounts of hospitalization and death. So the vaccines were still working in terms of keeping people out of the hospital, mm -hmm. but it wasn't people from keeping people from getting infected, meaning that you could culture the COVID from them if you culture, you know, if you did a, a not culture, but if you did a test on them. Mm -hmm. And the implications of this means that you could still transmit it or pass it on to somebody who wasn't vaccinated or somebody that was immunocompromised. The good news was that, which is why they went on and started to promote this booster, was that after a booster, the antibody levels went up tenfold. So wow. you know what? That's what I want. So Me I'm going to roll up my sleeve September the 20th and be first in line for my Moderna booster shot. Big I time. just knew it was coming. I felt it was coming from the standpoint of just seeing breakthroughs with people that were vaccinated and people that were otherwise healthy, not immunocompromised. And I'm like, ah, I bet those antibodies are going down. Well, it's nothing shocking. And those people that are vaccine hesitant, well, I told you so. Well, no, we have to take a flu shot every year. Yes, we do. We have to take a pneuma, we have to take a pneuma vac every five years. And so, you know, you know, a lot of vaccines that we have been used to don't necessarily give lifelong immunity. You have to get boosters and this, that, and the other. So it should be no shock to people that, okay, we're going to have to get a booster. So good news is that the vaccines are still keeping hospitalizations and deaths down. It's just that we got to get a booster now to up our antibody levels. Okay, wow. Well, yeah. but what about those folks that don't even have the, the vaccine in the first place? 
Well, that's a problem. They talked about that and what they're going to be doing. They made a commitment, even it, it, while they, we have more than an ample supply of boosters to give people in the United States, they were going to considerably up the game in terms of giving it to those non-rich countries. Because, you know, countries like Haiti and Jamaica and Caribbean and, you know, some of the countries in, uh, uh, you know, countries in other parts of the world, you know, even Italy, mm-hmm. you know, they don't, they don't have, talking to my Italian friends this morning, they don't have the, the vaccines that we have. So they're going to, they know how it looks, you know, well, the United States is hogging up all the vaccines. Well, they're not, they made a point this morning of saying we're going to continue to up our game and make sure that all citizens in the world have access to more vaccinations. This stuff is, is the, what they say, the plot thickens. Plot thickens. The plot thickens. And, you know, I was looking yesterday at that aircraft carrier that was taken down. Of course, we didn't say anything about the fall of Afghanistan, but that's another story. I know. I was looking at that air that, that cargo plane yesterday filled with all yes. those people. Yes, Can you imagine how much COVID was going on up in there? Oh, big time. Big time. And they're dropping off those people. I believe they landed that plane in Qatar. Oh, so, I wow. mean, that's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's something. And then we didn't talk about Haiti with the with the recent earthquake. We did not talk about Haiti. And, you know, I put on Facebook, let's talk about Haiti. There are up to 2,000 deaths. Haiti can't catch a break. And, I mean, you know, I, I get it. I understand Afghanistan. But, Vicky, this war has been going on. Forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. And the conflict in Afghanistan has been going on way before us. Mm-hmm. Let's look at Haiti. Yes. They can't catch a break. They don't have enough doctors. They, yes. don't, they don't have any. The, the, the guy that was over there from CNN that was filming, mm-hmm. they don't have enough recovery rescue and recovery people. They can't even get the truck convoys through because the roads are destroyed. Yeah. So there's mm. no food, no clean water. I mean, come on now. And all we're hearing about is Afghanistan. I'm sorry. I know. If I sound a little bitter. But, but yeah, yeah. That war has been going on for 20 years. Uh-huh. It's time for us to get out. Yes. You know, I do agree we need to help the people that helped us. Mm-hmm. But by the same token, we got 2,000 poor people in Haiti that yes. are still trying to catch up with the earthquake that they had years ago. And then then there are... Uh, your president just got killed. Yes. A few, several yep. months ago, right? Yep. Am I right? Yeah. Just a few oh, weeks God, ago. Yeah. Just a few weeks ago, they got a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. in that country, and all we're hearing about is Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yes. I'm yes. Just saying. I know, but yeah, you. I'm you just when you look, when you look, and you see the people trying to in Haiti trying to move the rocks and stuff, they're doing it yeah. with their bare hands, and, and, and it's bare terrible. Hands. It's terrible. They don't have any machines. You can, they can't get the convoys through there because there's no roads. The roads are all you know broken up because of stones and rocks and this that, and the other. So you got these poor people, and you think the death toll is two thousand? It's probably double that. By I the know. Time they finish finding people. I know. So yeah, it's 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 sad, and like you, you know, said, let's talk about Haiti. I know, and it seemed like Haiti because didn't they have they have an earthquake twenty ten and a tsunami yeah. came? Yeah, right they after that. Yeah, came. and they, it wasn't like they were they were they were already one of the poorest countries in the world. Mm-hmm. They've been fraught since Papa Doc Duvalier with all kinds.
Okay, yeah. And so these people have not been able. A dear friend of mine is from Haiti, two dear friends of mine. Uh-huh. And so it's just Haiti is continuing to get, you know, and so like I'm, I'm thinking, and maybe they're doing it, but where are the airdrops? The airdrops I know, Haiti, I know. Water and food and doctors and, and this, that, and the other, because you know they're going to need that. And the next thing, after you have those kind of earthquakes, if you don't have doctors, you're going to start seeing p- epidemics of cholera and all kinds of diseases that had already been part of Haiti in the first place. So I'm just saying, let's talk about Haiti. Yep, that's that's a public health crisis. It's a public health crisis. Let's talk about Haiti. The war in Afghanistan has been going on for 20 years, and we sacrificed a lot of our men and women made the ultimate sacrifice. My son went to Afghanistan for six months. Okay. He was over there. Okay. I hope he made a difference. But, you know, the bottom line is we couldn't, we can't stay there forever. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't, I'm not a government person. I don't know what plans they should have made. I, you know, nobody has my opinion. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sardine and i saw people hanging on the plane and stuff i was like and some people died i mean that's just how those people were packed i was like who does that right who does that and there was a kissinger uh, who was a representative Uh i think he's republican but he you know he tends to he tends to kind of sway you know positively and so forth he was a a pilot and he was just saying every aviation rule in the book was broken broken yeah I know. Yep. You know, and this morning, this woman on CNN was interviewing all these people trying to get out the country, and the Taliban is coming, and this, that, and the other. And like I said, nobody picked up the phone and asked me my opinion. <laughs> but my thing is, <laughs> it's been 20 years, and many of us who have had kids and relatives and so forth in the armed forces, they've all run up in there. My kid was in the helicopters, and this, that, and the other, in the Marines. You know, and he had friends and so forth and so on. And, and you know, uh-huh. they ran the Russians out of there in 1980s. Okay. I mean, I'm just saying. Okay. They ran the Russians out. Mm-hmm. So it's time to get out of there. But, you know, it, it was obvious that, as you would say, I got this from you. Mm-hmm. They might not have thought this through. Through and through. you right. And through. <laughs> <laughs> Vicky, I got this from you. You're famous for saying, I don't think they thought this they sure didn't. Uh-huh. So you got people, you're trying to evacuate people, and you don't have the perimeter secured. You got Taliban, you know, knocking people in the head trying to get into the airport. There was a problem. You did not plan this correctly. You got people jumping off of planes. This is not how an evacuation is supposed to be. That's it. Most especially, it's COVID worldwide. COVID worldwide. COVID. So now you're going to bring a lot of people in. You're going to have to make sure that people are tested and so forth and so on and, and vaccines and vaccine people up in this. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And so that's why it's important to try to get over to Haiti. Look at all that. Look at look at the COVID. I mean, I don't even know whether Haiti even had any vaccines. I know Jamaica, I was talking to a friend of mine. They just got vaccines. 
vaccines, I think, in June. Okay. They didn't have any until June. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that, now, and now Haiti, I'm sure, is on the same kind of plane. So I was talking to my friends a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Their families are okay, but they said that the country is devastated. Yeah, that's terrible. We're that's... not talking about a city that's devastated. It's We're a talking country. about yeah. a country that's devastated. A country, yeah, yeah. So, you know, let's talk about Haiti. Yeah, let's you talk know, about... You know, let's do, do mm-hmm. some airlifts in there, parachute some Marines in there, and, and get some parachutes, some some stuff like you all did during V-Day. You That's know, it. The United States knows how to do stuff. They know how to parachute machines oh, yeah. and, and all this stuff into Haiti to get these roads so you can get convoys through and this, that, and the other. Come on now. I know. This is what we do. This is what we do. And you, like you said... You turn on the television and somebody's trying to move a boulder of stone. Yes, with their hands. With their hands? Come on now. Come, Come on. on now. I know. Come on now. I know. So that's a travesty. It's a travesty. Yeah. So we, yeah, we, we got a lot of stuff going on now. We, we sure got do. a lot of stuff going on, and a lot of stuff that sits back and makes you go, hmm. That's it. Hmm. So I'm just saying, there's just so much happening in the world. That let's just not make it lopsided. Okay, you can cover Afghanistan, but let's talk about Haiti. That's it. So well, that's my soapbox. I see, I see. <laughs> <laughs> it's only because I have friends that, that are from there. Yeah. And I hear their stories mm-hmm. about, you know, Haiti is very, very poor. Mm-hmm. And the corruption that has been in that country for years has just made it poorer. I and know. then uh, they just got the guy that the president was just killed the other day. I know, I know. So it's a lot. All right. Well, thank you, D. Thank you. You are so so welcome. (laughs) Next time they'll ask me. That's it. (laughs) Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe. Consulting Co. doing business as Vikido Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about community health and community health programs and why are they important Community health programs improve access to preventative health care services, engage 
citizens in care decisions and seek out lower medical costs for these individuals. Community health programs address disparities by ensuring equitable access to health resources. Now joining us is Lee Green, the Director of Community Health at Mercy Health here in Youngstown, Ohio. She will talk about the importance of community health programs and how we can benefit from the community health resources and programs that are available to us and our community. So let's listen to the interview with Lee Green, the Director of Community Health. So here with us today is Lee Green, the Director for Community Health at Bond Secures Mercy Health in Youngstown, Ohio. Lee is well known throughout the state of Ohio, locally and nationally, for her unwavering commitment and dedication, her advocacy towards creating community-wide health equity, especially for minority and underserved communities She's an advocate for removing barriers to equitable access and care by addressing the social determinants of health that impact improving the quality of life for those, or I should say our communities. Prior to her current position at Bon Secours uh, Mercy Health, Lee served for many years as the director for the local office of minority health in Youngstown, Ohio. And so today, Lee will discuss with us how social determinants of health can be a tremendous impact on our daily lives. She will also talk more about some of the community resources and projects that is offered by her office. So how are you today, Lee? <laughs> I am fine, and, and you just blew me over with that introduction. I'm like, who is she talking about? But thank well you. Well deserved. <laughs> thank you so much. Well deserved. Yes, we are talking about you, my dear. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. So, Lee, can you share with us your, your new role I hear as the Director for Community Health at uh, Mercy Health? So, my new role began June the 1st. Uh, of this year, so I am actually maybe a good two month, two and a half months in. I absolutely love my position. I love my team. I had the opportunity of working with many of my team members in previous roles when I served as the director of minority health for the city of Youngstown through certain events out in the community. So it was. It was very exciting to be able to take this position and, and already know the work that is produced in this in this division, this department. So I was excited to come aboard, and, and they make me look good. So I, I love it. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. When we talk about community health, I ask that question all the time, you know, what does community health mean, you know, community health. We always hear public health, you know, crisis and all of that. But explain first what community health mean, you know, and, and why that's important. Why is that important? So community health, I, I, I have learned to appreciate when you hear someone taking surveys or data information, how important that is to respond to those. I, I really want to give that 
a, a shout out at first because we're soon uh, going to be working on our community health needs assessment, which is a, a team effort with the local health department, uh, Mahoney County, Trumbull County, Youngstown City, of course, Warren Community Health Partnership the board, mental health and recovery boards of both Trumbull and Mahoney County, So, and, and along with Mercy, to look at and assess the needs of the community. So when we are looking at community health, we're looking at those things that impact the health of, of a person. So your just access to food, housing, transportation, mm-hmm. uh, your schooling, your um your income, and now as we address uh, so recently, the crime in our community is a mm. big factor in the yeah. in our, um, our our community health as a whole. Because you, you know, and you might not be directly impacted, uh, fortunately, by not being on the other end of of either having family members who are committing the crime or those family members, unfortunately, who are are devastated by the acts of violence. But it just as a community a whole, to hear that on the news daily, it, 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 just, it mm-hmm. just takes something out of you. And then to know that if you are in the community where these incidents are happening, I, I happen to live right in the heart of Youngstown, and, you know, you you are, are a little more cautious about, and you shouldn't be fearful about being in your own neighborhood or being in your own environment. And mm-hmm. um, that that restricts getting out and enjoying the, well, the, it's been so rainy lately, but getting out and enjoying the fresh air or walking or even mm-hmm. the uh, condition of the sidewalks in your community, that all impacts your health, believe it or not. Dr. D and I were just talking about the latest crime and we were trying to, you know, it's just sad to hear that a 10-year-old, you know, gets caught up in the middle of that. And, and yeah, it's just awful. Yeah. It, it's devastating. And you you look at that and you you look at children who are fearful about being out. You, you know, it, it's going to bring about some difficult conversations in a household where children should have to be playing and enjoying the last days of summer and looking right. forward to school and and learning and you know you're you're going to have to sit down and and make hard conversations with your children which it it really it, it kind of takes away a little bit of your childhood um mm-hmm. it does it's kind of it, like those conversations that parents have with their um, African American sons or personal BIPOC yeah. sons about, you know, the police situation. Very difficult conversations that, you know, you have to have. You you are you are so right. I have two sons, and I remember when they first got their learning permits and, and, and the conversations that you have to have with them. And even going to the mall, I, I remember it, it talking to my children about going to the mall, and I, I don't think I really was that lenient about them going. You, you know, I said they, they had friends that were 
you know, white and, and males, and I told them, you know, I said, if you're going to go with the group, let them drive, you know, or you sit in the back, and, you know, right. they're like, Mom, really? And I'm like, unfortunately, that is, is, is just the way that it is, is that, you know, it is. It, it's sad, but that, that stress, really impacts your health. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know, Dr. D, you're on. I, I know that we've talked about um, many aspects of how um, the, the, the cortisone levels impact um, mothers and and the stress of, of pregnancy and, and some of the programs that we have in community health. We are working with moms and and helping to try to alleviate some of those social determinants and uh, connect them with resources so that they can alleviate some of those stressors that are in the community so they can have health, happy and healthy birth outcomes. So, uh, yeah, stress can add to a lot of uh, medical issues. Yes. You know, um, mm-hmm. Lee, since the um, COVID crisis has come about since, January or so of 2020, and that term, those terms, that word, phrase, social determinants, has been, you know, bantered about about a lot. Tell our audience, just in case people aren't clear, mm-hmm. what some of the social determinants of health are that impact your job, your position, and also, you know, tie in with the COVID crisis, and not just the COVID crisis, but with every all the other diseases that are associated with healthcare disparities. Mm-hmm. You're right. Uh, you know, social determinants seems like it's a buzzword now, mm-hmm. so we have been well aware of the impact that it has had on on the outcomes of 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 everyone in our community especially if you do not have access to the resources that you need to live a healthy life. So what COVID did was expose or highlight those things that we do to be true in our community. So we're looking at the fact that those individuals who are actually considered first responders or essential, Mm -hmm. let's talk about essential employees who uh, are making the kind of money that that affords them not to be able to be out and exposed to conditions. They have to work. They have no choice. Mm-hmm. So they are exposed to that. And most of those are uh, positions of service. So your, your housekeepers, your nurse <laughs> assistants, your, your transportation, your grocery store employees. Right. So those individuals right. who have to be there because they need that job, they don't have the affordability to work at home, but they're exposed to the elements, and then you're not making that much. So you're, you're impacted by the transportation that you, you might not have a reliable car. Uh, that mm-hmm. is stressful. You're uh, speaking of grocery stores. Youngstown is known not to have an actual grocery store in the heart of the city. Mm-hmm. There are a couple on the outskirts, but if you don't have transportation and you need to take a bus there, you're going to take a, at least a couple of trips uh, and least. a transfer, right, to get at to least. the grocery store, and right. then you are partially limited by what you could carry 
and the bus. could bring onto the bus. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we have actually looked at having to take uh, a bus to actually get to a meeting. I didn't participate in this experiment, but mm-hmm. it took them. We decided to meet at the mall, and it took a couple of transfers. It took, oh, maybe over an uh, about hour to 45 minutes to get to the location where we were going to have the meeting, and it rained that day. Mm. So, uh, like I tell individuals, I I tell people a lot, it's inconvenient to be those who are underserved, or it's inconvenient to be poor. I hate that word. I I hate using the word poor, but those who are struggling Lower socioeconomic, maybe lower socioeconomic. Exactly. Which is not a pejorative term. It's just what it is. It is what it it is. is. It is what it is. It is what it is. And it's inconvenient. And and I think I get so angry with individuals that think that people who are on assistance, you know, have it made or they're not working. Do you know you have to spend hours sometimes, if not on the phone because you can't go out now because of COVID, you might sit hours to wait for, you know, your appointment so that you can get reevaluated or uh, it's very inconvenient, or the transportation, or having to get a ride to, to get to an appointment. Uh, not to interrupt you, but another thing is when you're speaking of that, I didn't want to forget it. You take all these rides to get to the doctor or your appointment, and then on the other end of when you get there is somebody with an attitude because you are late because you had to do all these transfers and had to find some place for your kids and this, that, and the other, that's stressful, not knowing whether your appointment's going to be canceled or this, that, and the other. So, yes, you are exactly right. Yes. Yes. You know, we've actually talked about that in many of our coalition meetings, too, that Mm -hmm. why people decide or, or why we don't seek treatment it's because oh. how we are treated when we first get, it might not be the doctor, but it's that receptionist who yes. treats you, who, who, you know, so you kind of shy away from having to, to even, you know, engage with somebody who's, who's condescending to you or not sympathetic to what your position is. So you just choose not to take care or not to go to the doctor. So exactly. Yeah, we talk about that quite often and how it's so important that, you know, individuals need to be trained on cultural competency and, and how to right. engage individuals yep. that are, you know, that are, are coming from different places other than themselves. So yeah, and then at the end of the day, we just have to be nice, and you just never know. You never know people's situation, and that's why it's so important that when you have someone at that front desk or at the door or what have you, and that's just not for health care. That's for all of the places where we, we have someone that's the receptionist or the secretary or the greeter or whatever. Listen. If they have a sour attitude, that messes up everything. <laughs> it sets it the tone does. for it sets the tone for the organization. Yes, it does. For example, in my field, I used to always say to the people that worked for me when I was doing private practice or whatever, 
you know, I could be the best physician in the world, mm -hmm. but when they come up with that person at that front desk, it completely sabotages everything that my office stands for and is about. That first person that you meet, whether it's a doctor's office or standing in line to get your driver's license or whatever it is, sets the tone for the entire office. And that's stressful, not knowing whether somebody's going to, you know, be mean to you or whatever. I know. And, and you, you know what? You, you hit it on the head. It, <laughs> that is stressful. Mm -hmm. You know what? I, I was trying to explain racism to someone uh -huh. once, and I said, you know what? You look in the mirror every day, and it was a white male. You don't have to think about the fact that you're black or anything that you engage happened or didn't happen because you were black. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that goes through your mind. And, and, Simple things like maybe being passed up while waiting at the um, the deli counter and you're over. Exactly. That's my pet peeve, too. Like, and you know, you're standing you're at the deli counter and, you and somebody, there'll be somebody that maybe is another race next to you and that person will, the person behind the counter will apologize to that person to say, well, I'll be right with you when you were the first person at the deli counter in the first place. Exactly. And don't just think that you think about you should not have to think about your black every day or every you know, minute. It, right. Every right, minute. Right. Every minute right. that you know, an incident happens. Did it happen because I'm black or because I'm a woman? So, you know, that that stress really impacts your your well being and and, and Facing those challenges every day is, is enough to, to really make a difference on your health and shorten your lifespan for no reason. Right. And it's mm -hmm. called it's called living while black. That's what it really is. <laughs> so what is the commitment? <laughs> Bonsi is the major health care organization in our community. And obviously by having you there, they have mm -hmm. shown a commitment to this. But tell us, what is their commitment to the community? Why did they want you there? Why, mm -hmm. why you to come you and know, do this? Um, what is their commitment? Mm -hmm. I feel very honored. And coming in as a new employee, I have seen a different side of, of Mercy Health that mostly doesn't get transmitted to the community. And my hope is that by working with Mercy that I can advocate not only for what what the community needs, but also advocate for the fact that Mercy has a commitment to the community. They are actually doing several new programs, and one is an anchoring program that is coming system-wide that they really want to do some investment into the community. So we are going to be meeting with organizations and seeing how Mercy can best invest to change the trajectory uh, of some of the things that are happening in the community for the good. And then Mercy Foundation, I know, um, it is responsible for a lot of the programs that we have. So my whole team, I, I was just telling them, I said, we're not a, a financially generating department, <laughs> but we are a department that can actually save the hospital money and, and save costs because if we're out here promoting health and doing things to prevent 
major acute illnesses mm-hmm. and as in knowing your numbers and the and uh stepping out program and mm-hmm. uh working with our mothers and our fathers and the resource mothers and the father fatherhood initiative that we can promote healthy activity and that way that reduces the trip to the emergency room mm-hmm. and, and other things right. that cost money that otherwise would not have to, you know, we wouldn't have to do that. So right. we are promoting a, a different type of connection to the community. So we're not we're not treating acute health, but we are mm. actually promoting health. That's it. And and if you, I'm I'm a firm believer. If you if you put your money and you invest in the front end of the thing, you know, and that's promoting health, doing all the things that we can do to prevent some of these chronic diseases, then we'll save a lot of money on the back end when you come into the emergency room and all of that. Because chronic disease, just chronic, that means, you know, dealing with it for a long time or for a while, it becomes expensive as well. The medication, all of that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, that that's a good point, and and we're work, and I I want to really look at some of the programs that we have, especially the stepping out. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard great response to that. How how individuals are several dress sizes, or you have to, you know, you're no longer. Your doctor says you're no longer needing to take a a, a certain blood pressure medication mm-hmm. or a insulin. So mm-hmm. there are great you you talked about stepping out and other programs do you have something because we always keep talking about the the lack of groceries and a lack of good food and all of that yeah. have and, and we hear about you know them trying to get a some kind of grocery store do, do you know anything about that to try to get something in the heart of Youngstown or something what do you think so there are there are several organizations who have been working on this for for some time and that's action and okay dc dc is actually received a grant from the foundation mm-hmm. and we did have a prescription uh vegetable prescription program that we're not no longer serving but mm-hmm. this same program or this same grant funding is going to YNDC now, and they're looking to provide a fresh produce market, which I think I'm not sure how it's going to work, but those individuals who were actually clients of Mercy and receiving them will be part of part of their membership, okay. and, and they will be able to have access to fruits and vegetables monthly. So, you know, there are plenty of programs. I know Action is working on a mobile van. 
Okay. So okay. until my dream is to get a co-op here one day, yes. and I would love that. But mm-hmm. until then, I think that we are we are trying uh, the best that we can. I know our um, health education is working with the community partnership and working uh, to strengthen the the corner markets to have more produce and and vegetables mm-hmm. and engaging them to even have cooking demonstrations. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there are plenty of ideas out there, and I, I, I'm ready for this pandemic to be over so we can start getting out in the community and, and kind of oh my goodness, putting yes, some of absolutely. this to use. I know, yes. I know. But the the way we doing, we're going to be talking about pandemic probably till I'm uh, old and gray, more old and gray. Because <laughs> oh, I'm getting older by the minute. And we keep, it was, I was just looking at some pictures and I was like, man, that was pre-COVID. It's now rolling into 2022. And remember when all this started, we thought maybe it'll be over in about six months or so. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, And that's concerning too, because now we're rolling back in and we've already had these these social determinants roll through, and mm. and it concerns me that those who were impacted are going to be further impacted. I know. Yeah. Well, we got we got our work cut out for us, don't we? Though. We do. <laughs> Definitely do. Yes, we do. Definitely. But we do appreciate. We appreciate. We appreciated all the things that you did when you were at the Minority Health Office. And we just look forward to all the things that you're going to do as the director for community health. And so, yeah, kudos for you and being able to get that opportunity for that position. I feel very grateful and I hope that I am able to serve the community in the same capacity and even better. You know, I'm over there, right over there at Bomb Secours. I don't work for them, but I certainly work in the organization, and I know I'm really happy to see you there. Thank you. I see you going through the cafeteria now, and I can't can't catch up to talk to you because you're moving so fast. You know I'm moving fast. You know me, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving low and fast. Low and fast. Yes, you oh, are. Like a bomber, I don't want to cast a shadow. They might catch me. You know, I'm I'm moving through the cafeteria low and fast. You got that. Low right. and fast. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. but I, I am, I feel very fortunate to be here. So this is my dream job, and to, to be able to reach more of the community to make an impact is, is what I think is just awesome about the whole thing. Well, you know, you know where we are here at Vicado Fitness. So, yeah, make sure you think about me and I'm there to help. I surely will. You know I'll be collaborating. Too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just got to have our mask and shields on. But, we, hey, I just That's put it. my mask on and get out there and keep it moving. That's how I do. Keep it moving. That's keep it. it. Moving. That's it. So how can people get in touch with you and then to, you know, to find out more information about the upcoming events and just about, you know, the community health office that you are with now. How do they get in touch? Anyone can reach me at 330-480-6180. That's my office number. My email is lgreen3 at mercy.com. 
And other than that, if if you just look at somebody, you'll be able, if you, you stop up, mm-hmm. Community Health is on the third floor at the Cardiac Health Building. So okay. if you're right on the corner of Park and Belmont. Okay. So if anybody really needs me that bad, you just come on through. I'll be happy to work with you. Okay. I'm glad to know where you are. I'm glad to know where you are, so that's good. I'll try to slow down the next time. <laughs> okay. I, when I come off, when I round that corner and I see you, I don't want to yell out. But I just, please feel free. Please okay. feel free. <laughs> All right. And so thank you so much, Lee. <laughs> Well, thank you for having Thanks, me. It's Lee. always a pleasure. I think both all of right. you all are awesome at what you do. Thank so. you. Same here. Same. We feel the same way about you, too. Yes, we do. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. All right. Now, this ends our show, Dee. Do you have some tips on what we should think about? Yeah. You know, it's always great and fun to hear from Lee Green. You know, I'm so happy to have her as part of our, where I work, too, as Boston uh-huh. Cure. She's doing a lot to, you know, look at health care disparities um, in our community. You know, she pointed out to us the commitment that Von Secure has had and has and how she's trying to implement a lot of things in the community during the times of COVID. You know, there were, you all, you know, we all talked about what was going on in the community with access to health care, access to food, mm-hmm. access to grocery stores, and how she pointed that all out. So good for her. Yes. For her. Yes. And so I'm so glad that she came to the show. And I appreciate her because of all the things that she has done. I mean, she has been an advocate in our community. She has been an advocate for a lot of the community health programs for underrepresented folks. And so we are glad that she is still doing her thing, but in a larger, she said, a larger capacity. We appreciate her. But, yeah, it would be nice, you know, a lot of folks, when you guys were talking about and I was thinking about how just just going without a car, just trying to go and see a doctor how you have to tra- yeah. transfer from one bus thing to another. It's it's yeah. a lot. Isn't that a lot? It is a lot. It is a lot. And people don't understand when, you know, especially if you're a mom and you have kids and you got to secure your kids and then you got to get on two buses to get to the doctor or wherever it is that you have to go. We forget because a lot of people who have cars, you forget what transportation is like without an automobile. Yes. These things, you know, we have to sometimes think about and have empathy for folks when we deal with, you know, different folks in our, our population, you know, especially as exactly. health care providers and just people in mm-hmm. general. We got to think about mm-hmm. how that these communities, these folks, how mm-hmm. it's, it's challenging. A lot of things we just take for granted. Yes. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah, we want to thank Lee once again for um, coming on the show. And, folks, as always, for more information, go to our website, vickidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. 
You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.